We were talking about how that changed. Personally, you know, I just can't go there. I mean, I have the Bible on computer and I have it on an iPad and so forth, but there are things that I still like to do with, you know, a book. I haven't given up the books altogether. And we were talking about some of the pros and cons of that. And uh, it reminded me at the time that it doesn't matter where you live, when you live, issues are the same. We we uh, deal with the same thing. It may have a different vehicle that it rides out on, but basically the problems people faced many, many years ago are the same problems we face today. I'm sure when uh, they began to bind books differently, uh, when they took it off of a scroll and made it into a book, that there were people that didn't like that. And I just can't see why you'd give up a scroll for a book. You know, explain that to me. Uh, there, there were probably people that had that uh, thinking about that, and I can understand that because I can relate well. But uh, what was years ago, people dealing with, we're still dealing with it today. And when we come to Acts chapter 16, there are some problems that people were facing in that first century. And I think we still run into the same attitudes today, even though we're 2,000 years removed from that setting. Now, I'd like for us to look at Acts chapter 16, and I understand that the story in particular that we're going to be looking at involves supernatural. It involves an era in history when there were things that God allowed to occur that uh, we don't witness today. Uh, And uh, there were miraculous powers uh, available to some of the followers of Jesus that they had at their disposal then that we don't have today. But I want us to look beyond the actual issue and look at the attitudes that were in place then that still are in place today and we need to be warned about and reminded of uh, so that we can live holy lives. Now, if you have your Bible in Acts chapter 16, if you'll look with me uh, beginning in, uh, uh, well, around verse 16, Paul had gone to uh, Philippi, the city of Philippi. And he had gone to the, uh, well, down to the river uh, where was the custom or it was the custom of them to pray there, probably because there weren't a whole lot of Jews there at that place. Um, To have a synagogue, you had to have uh, at least 10 men, I believe, to have a quorum. And if they didn't, couldn't have a synagogue. And the fact that Paul goes down to the riverside where it was their custom to pray, and when he goes down there, he meets women, it may indicate that uh, they were lacking in in that male leadership there. But anyway, he, he, he goes down there, and that's where he met Lydia and baptizes her and her household. But if you pick up in verse 16, it says, Now, it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. 
But when the masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods." When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, committing them to the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. Now, as you go a little bit further, you remember how that they were miraculously delivered uh, from that imprisonment. There was a great earthquake. Their their shackles fell off. Uh, They had an opportunity to preach to this jailer himself. And he and his family were converted and became Christians that very evening. But what I'd like for us to look at is this account where the Apostle Paul is preaching in Philippi. He's going down to where these people are. And there's this woman. She has a spirit of divination. She has an unclean spirit in her. And uh, there were some miraculous powers. And I can't explain it all. And I don't know how it all worked. But they did, or she did, have some ability to predict the future, uh, to tell a person's fortune uh, in some way that was sufficient enough, whether it was all a sham or a con, I, I don't know, but it was good enough to make her handlers very wealthy. There were people who used her as uh, a slave to make money by doing this thing that she did. And every day, it said, for several days, she would say, when Paul and Silas were preaching, she would say, listen to these men. These men are servants of the Most High God. Listen to them. They're telling you the truth. And the Bible says that annoyed Paul. Now, you might wonder, why would that annoy Paul? I mean, they're saying the truth. Why should Paul get annoyed Well, there are a couple ideas, maybe, uh, that at least it could be. Number one, they could have been interrupting him while he was trying to talk. They're talking over top of him. That could have been part of it. Um, While I'm preaching here tonight, I sure wouldn't want y'all to start yelling, he's telling you the truth. He's preacher of the Most High God, you know. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know. Uh, That could have been the, the situation. But there's another possibility that we'll explore in just a minute. But I want us to look at what happens and see if we can, you know, focus in on some attitudes that existed then that exist today. And let's start with this right here, this first point. If you're going to talk, speak for Jesus, you've got to live it. Some of the greatest harm that is done to the cause of Christ and to the the kingdom mission that we have is done by those who are Christians, but who don't live as Christians. They wear the name of Christ, but they don't follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And the name in name only is not very effective. In fact, it does the opposite. It hurts the cause of Christ. In Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, we read of this woman who, well, is demon-possessed, but she's saying the right thing. Well, 
How effective is it to do the wrong thing but say the right thing? How effective are we as parents when we do the wrong thing and we tell our children to do the right thing? They watch our actions. They can see the hypocrisy within us, and it has a lasting impact. Not all advertising, listen, not all advertising is good advertising. Just to get your name out there isn't always what you want. We're trying to get people to notice. You know, the theme for this year is a sign for the times. And we talked about how that God should be able to use us as a billboard, as a sign for this community to to point them to Jesus, to give them instruction by looking at us. Well, you remember what Jesus said on one occasion, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What if people could look at us and by looking at us, they see Jesus? A sign for the times. Well, if we're going to be a sign for the times, we need to live the kind of life that we ought to... Not all advertising is good advertising. Some signs ought to be taken down. Imagine us, we're trying to get the people of Carnes to know who we are, where we are, who we're about, or what we're about. And so we decide, you know, you know what ought to be a good idea? Every time that Budweiser truck runs down the street in the morning to deliver to these places, we ought to just put on the side of that Budweiser truck an advertisement for the Carnes Church of Christ. That, that'd get attention, right? And it's cheap advertising, maybe. You know, so we'll just say, Let, let's do that. Let's put that ad on the side. Do you think that's the kind? What do you think people would think if they saw this Budweiser logo and then... You know, a little thing about the Carnes Church of Christ, come and visit. It's inconsistent, isn't it? People would think, what in the world are they thinking? You, you can't advertise the church on a side of a beer truck. Well, you can't have a demon-possessed woman running around singing the praises of Jesus. It's inconsistent. It's incongruent. And so the Apostle Paul said, enough. And he casts out this demon out of this woman. And, well, there are a couple problems with this. Number one, had she been even speaking the truth? And maybe she was speaking the truth in, well, do you remember the time when Jesus was crucified? The soldiers mocked him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. They didn't really mean that. That was mockery. It may have been mockery that this woman was engaged in, but I tend to think she was probably serious. Uh, this happened on more than one occasion. Jesus had unclean spirits come up to him and say, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. Um, but even if what she was saying was true and she didn't mean it in a in a mocking sort of way, it, it undoes, well... Here's a woman who's speaking the truth, so can we rely on her tomorrow when she says something else? Do you want somebody who is steeped in in sin, possessed by the devil, to be your spokesman? Uh, He's the father of lies. 
Paul doesn't want people learning to put their trust in this woman and what she says. And so he drives this unclean spirit out of her. And I just want to make that. We don't have that kind of a situation that exists today. Those those possessions that you read about like this in New Testament times and the power to just cast them out, the exorcism that you see. We don't experience that today. Those powers aren't ours to perform. But... The principle's still the same, isn't it? If we go around speaking for Jesus, we better have our act together. We can't live one way and speak another way. If we're going to be bold enough to speak for Jesus, we need to live for him. That's the first point. The second point in this lesson is that there is power in the name of Jesus. Again, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 18, what did Peter do or what did Paul do? He said, I command you by the name of Jesus to come out of her. And that hour, in other words, instantaneous. It wasn't three weeks from now. It wasn't, uh, you know, this big. Have you ever seen some of the stuff that is done with uh, those who claim to be able to perform these exorcisms today? And and they have to have all their trinkets and they have to have their crosses and their their this and that and all these items. and, And they have to go through this ritual and it takes days, weeks, months, and finally that thing will let the person go. Not so in Bible and real situations. When Paul called upon the authority of Christ and commanded this unclean spirit to leave, it left right then. The Bible tells us God, Jesus, told his apostles that he would give them the power to cast out unclean spirits. And here's just one occasion where Paul was... Uh, exercising that authority that was given him, but it was by the authority of Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, we can't go wrong if we stay within the authority of Jesus Christ. There's safety. There's power in the authority of Christ. When I get outside of what Jesus has authorized and what he said, I'm, I'm in territory that I have no backing for, for which I have no backing. I, I You know... Think about the things that has divided the religious world today. People aren't divided over the scripturalness of immersion for baptism. Everybody agrees that that's okay. That's what the Bible says. That has the authority of Christ behind it. The division isn't over what the Bible teaches on that matter. The division is over whether, well, would it hurt to do it some different way? Some think yes, some think no. And, and the problem is you've left the authority of Christ. We all know what the authority of Jesus authorized. He said, you know, to bury, to immerse. Um, when it comes to the kind of music we have in, in our worship, we all know the Bible says to sing. Nobody disagrees with that. We can unite on what the authority of Christ says. The problem is, and the division comes, when we leave his authority and say, I wonder if it would be okay to do it a little bit different to add a little bit of uh, you know, instrumental-type music or mechanical instrumental-type music. And, and then that's where we have division. Nobody's divided over what the Bible says, the authority of Christ, or divided over what man said. And then you just go right down the line with all those issues that has caused division in the church. The division is not over where Jesus spoke. It's over where men have presume to speak where Jesus didn't. And that gets us into problems. Colossians 3 and verse 17, 
listen, if you don't know that verse, you ought to learn it. You ought to mark it in your Bible. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3 and verse 17, whatever you do in word or in deed, that's pretty comprehensive. That covers the things that I teach and the things that I practice. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the Father through him. I need to do it in the name of or by the authority of Jesus. There's power in the name, the authority of Jesus. Stay within his authority and you can't go wrong. Third thing that I'd like to bring out from this text is that there are people who will manipulate other people just for the sake of gaining an advantage. I, I know that's hard to comprehend sometimes. I have a hard time thinking, really? I mean, are there people really that, that are insincere in their false teaching? Are there people that would really see you go to hell if it meant another dollar in their pockets? Are there really people that would be okay with you losing your soul for eternity if it, if they could somehow stroke your ego or their own ego by you following them? I would like to think that there aren't people like that, but there are. The Bible warns in Jude, verse 16, that there are people, false teachers, who will flatter us for the purpose of gaining advantage over us. In First Timothy chapter or Second Timothy chapter two or chapter four, there is that, that passage that warns us that there are, well, false teachers who speak lies in hypocrisy. First Timothy, uh, who speak lies in hypocrisy. They they know they're speaking a lie. They do it anyway. There are those who uh, will flatter us to, to gain advantage over us. And 1 Timothy chapter 6 says that there are those who will use godliness simply as a way of gain. We need to be aware of that. Uh, unaware, I can't afford to follow a man, no matter who he is. Even if he's one of my heroes, even if I've read book after book after him, even if I have absolute trust and respect in him, I cannot say, I'm going to blindly do what he says. We need to be like those in Thessalonica or or the Bereans who search the Scriptures daily with all readiness of mind. They search the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. We need to have that kind of commitment to the Word of God. There are people who will lead you to hell, and they're not concerned about it. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1 says that there are many false prophets that have gone out into this world, and there are. There are many. And we need to be sure that we're not following those who would manipulate us to our own destruction. And the only way I can be sure about that is to pick this book up and study it for myself, get to know it, what it says, what it teaches, compare the teachings that I hear to the Word of God, and then I can have assurance And then the fourth and final point for tonight's lesson is that Christians will suffer for doing good and doing right. The Apostle Paul did a good and noble thing. Here's a woman who is demon-possessed, and he gets that demon out of her and gives her her life back. And you know the reaction was not, 
Wow, look at what Paul did. Thank you, Paul, for helping this woman. The men are mad. Their livelihood has been taken away from them. And so all they can think of is we got to get even with these guys. And they're so angry, they take them into the... They, they get people stirred up about them and they have them beaten and thrown in prison. And all they had done is the right thing. They did good by a lady who was tormented. And all they get is evil in return. I've, once, I've heard people say, and maybe you've heard it said too, no good deed goes unpunished. Maybe the devil works it that way. Because when we do good deeds and we don't receive praise in return, but we receive heartache and grief and suffering in return, we might be less likely to stick our neck out and do good again. And that's just the way the devil would like it. Yeah, you're going to suffer for doing good. Jesus suffered for doing good. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19, Jesus said, listen, they hated me, they're going to hate you as well. I'm, I'm the master. You're the disciple. You're going to follow me. And if they hated me, they'll, they'll hate you as well. All who live godly in Christ Jesus, according to Paul in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 12, will suffer persecution. So that's just part of the package. Listen, next time you do something and you work hard and you're proud of it and it's been good and somebody comes around and smarts off at you, pops off, hurts your feelings, says something critical about your best effort, instead of throwing up your hands and saying, well, listen, if you don't like the way I do it, then you can do it yourself next time. That's the last time I'm ever going to do something. You know, we kind of cop those attitudes sometimes, don't we? We we get our feelings hurt and we want to back off and not serve anymore because people didn't show the proper appreciation or give us the proper thanks. and, And so we want to just withdraw. Next time... Somebody or some someone hurts you in that way. Count yourself worthy to suffer as Jesus in the same fashion. Jesus went to the cross having done nothing wrong. And it's a badge of honor to suffer because of your relationship to Christ. Listen, don't let anyone be ashamed if they suffer as a Christian. Isn't that what Peter said? It's an honor to be able to bear in our body the marks of Christ. Instead of viewing it as something that throws you off your feet, knocks you backward, and almost makes you want to quit, say, ah, here it comes. This is what Jesus told me about. I I come to expect this. And now how can I use this suffering, unjust suffering, to bring glory to Christ? My actions through this unjust suffering, I can make people look at me and say, wow, I don't know if I would have responded that way. I don't know if I could have responded that way. I, I'm ama- a number of years ago, Bantel Barrett Baxter had been just maligned by a brother in Christ through some publications. He had ripped the hide off of him for uh, something that... Uh, he perceived to be out of place in Brother Baxter's life. And um, there were some men who were picking up Brother Batzelbert Baxter at the airport. This event had just occurred, and they were anxious. They were kind of talking about, I wonder if he's read. I wonder if he knows what this guy said about him. And what's he going to say when he finds out? And, 
And so they pick them up and they go to lunch and they say, did you hear what Brother So-and-so said about you? Did you read that in the paper? And he said, yes, and if you don't mind, let's say a prayer for him. And they just stopped and he led them in a prayer. You know, that's the kind of impression you don't soon forget. Here's a man who had every reason to fight, be fighting mad. And his response was, let's pray for the one who said the unkind things. Next time you're faced with opposition because you did right, use it as an opportunity to let Jesus be seen in you. You see, the issues are different. We don't have demon possession. I don't have the power to cast them out. The issues are different, but the attitudes are the same even today, 2,000 years later. Folks, if we're going to speak for Jesus, if we're going to be that sign for the times, then let's be it, not just in word, but in action. And we'll face opposition, and when we do, let's continue to be faithful to God. In fact, use that opposition not as something to knock you off your track, but as an opportunity to let Jesus shine all the more in your life. Are you a follower of Jesus? If you are, you know it's not always easy. His footsteps were placed perfectly. He never misstepped. And we try to walk in those footsteps, and we can't do it. But I hope that as we live and as we learn and and as we grow, we get closer. And every day we get closer and closer to that perfection for which we're striving. If you're here this evening and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel tonight? Believe. If you believe in Jesus, turn from your sin and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and begin to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. He's patient and he's kind and loving and and uh, you have a family of people here that are going to help you uh, to walk in that direction. I receive strength from this church family, as I'm sure you do as well. And it helps me to be a better person, knowing that I'm not going this alone. I, I have friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're already a child of God but unfaithful and you need uh, your brethren to pray for you, we'll pray with you that you'd be stronger and more faithful and more dedicated to the cause that's before us. If you need to respond, why don't you do so as we sing this song of encouragement. Please stand as we sing.